0: Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Two things related to affordable housing took place in the last week. First, there was the opening of Phase 1 of the new Elgin Park Housing Units. It is a step forward in a project that will increase access to affordable rental housing. The second event was National Housing Day. People from across Northumberland gathered to strategize about how issues around accommodation are addressed locally. On today's show, Rebecca Carmen, the county's associate director of housing and homelessness, will talk about both these events. She will explain what the county is doing to address the needs for affordable housing. More importantly, she will address the issue of building public consensus amongst residents. This is in light of the hostilities being faced by local municipalities, and it may provide a path forward towards finding solutions instead of facing angry citizens. I'm so pleased to have with me today Rebecca Carmen, the Associate Director of Housing and Homelessness for Northumberland County. Welcome to Consider This, Northumberland.
1: Thanks, Rob, for having me.
0: The big news from last week was the opening of the first phase of the Elgin Park redevelopment. Can you tell us about that reopening?
1: I'd love to. Uh, It was a a great day, Rob. We were able to invite neighbors, community tenants, uh, partners to our Phase 1 Elgin Park uh, completion. We are we are very happy to be halfway through the project. Uh, we are going to begin to welcome tenants later this week into the buildings um, with more coming over the next uh, several months. Um, it is a, a great moment for us. It is the first um, redevelopment new affordable community housing project that we have built in Northumberland. Um, and it's a great sign of of things to come, of what's coming next.
0: So where does this particular project go from here?
1: Sure. So, I mean, for, for us, for where this fits, I mean, this is the first signal of things to come. Um, I think our warden, Mandy Martin, said it in her remarks that day that, you know, we didn't come all this way to stop here where this is the first of many things to come. Our affordable housing strategy indicates that at least 900 new affordable housing units are needed over the next 10 years. We know that's aspirational in the sense that um, it's gonna take a lot of effort partnership funding to to make that happen but at the same time we know it's needed um so this is this is the start this is one of the the start of our of our moving forward and what we're going to be building what this signals is a new a new type of community housing one that is inclusive to folks across an income spectrum in our community will be introducing market rents we'll be int- we have our rent year to income units that will be continuing we're introducing truly accessible units into our portfolio as well which is really exciting for us um, in terms of what's next for the project uh, we will be working on the demolition of phase two so we still have four semi-detached buildings uh, remaining and so we will demolish those units with our contractors and we will begin construction immediately uh, in the next uh, the next several weeks, months.
0: Now, you talked about it being not just solely affordable housing, but also some rental units. What's the percentage of uh, market value rental units, which you would be charging what any other landlord would be charging locally and then the affordable units?
1: Sure. So in this in this development, we will have twenty-eight rank year to income units. So that's an increase of what was previously on site of 18. We will also then introduce 12, what we're calling reasonably market uh, price market units. So where we're we're targeting that is at about 110% of average market rent for our community. So for example, a a market one bedroom unit would go for between 15 and $1,600 a month, all inclusive. Um, So it's still actually quite reasonable in our current rental market. And what we will do is we will make sure that folks coming into that uh, unit meet that um income threshold whereby they need that level of of affordability and reasonable marketness, I guess. Um, and so that's kind of where we're balancing it. In the future, Elgin was our first project. In the future, we will look at models where we will have um some rankier to income, some affordable, which is a, a bit of a higher, a higher level, and then again some reasonably market priced units. Our goal is to get these buildings to be as um you know viable on their own with as little tax levy as needed so that we can continue to build into the future
0: there was another significant event recently in conjunction with national housing day and it was promoted as quote taking stock it points out the growing need for safe and stable and affordable housing now there is a mixed bag of messages and i'd like to take a few moments and start to unpack some of those so sure. first Northumberland County has one of the lowest vacancy rates in Ontario. It is 1%. Plus, it, it also states that it has a higher rental cost comparing to neighbouring communities. How does the county hope to address this issue?
1: So I think I, I think that's a, a, what we're seeing is we're at a point where history of what's been built in our community is coming to fruition. So what we know is that Um, you know, the overall stock of both rental and rent gear to income housing is lower than in those neighboring communities. Um, In part, historically, we've been a a very small community and those urban centers have been where folks have have invested in that rental stock. Um, But we know that that's not necessarily our current reality. We know that people we need more rental we know that the other piece of this is that historically our rental market has been primarily in the secondary market and what i mean by that is that they were not purpose built rentals so they were their rent our rental market has historically been based in single detached dwellings or you know home home ownership type homes that people have been renting out to folks and as our rental as our home ownership market and real estate market you know um got quite high over the last 5 to 7 years people were selling that asset and then folks were losing their rental stock so i think what the county is hoping to do to address that is really support that focus on purpose built rental at all affordability spectrums both you know true market where you you rent a unit for as much as you can find someone to pay for in the market, all the way down to deeply rank geared to income affordable affordable units that we're building, and some of our nonprofits are looking to build as well. And so I think we need that that broad spectrum of rental housing to support um, addressing those those concerns with the vacancy rate and affordability rates.
0: Another disturbing figure that is nearly two in ten residents in Northumberland pay more than 30% of their income for housing. And that just screams out that housing in Northumberland is unaffordable. What can the county possibly do to address this current situation for those people in a timely way?
1: So I think it's really a, it's a multi-pronged approach. Um, We know, I would say across Ontario, across Canada, we all accept that we're likely all in an affordability crisis, and so I think we know the long-term solution. The long-term solution is a diverse housing stock that meets the needs of communities that people can afford. Um, there are root issues around advocating for increased uh, social assistance rates so people can afford rent. But at the same time, while that's the long-term solution, we also have to look at what our short-term responses can be. So for example, in Northumberland, we have launched a new rent subsidy program that's called housing stabi- the Housing Stability Program. And this supports, um, it's at $500,000 that we've invested into this. And it will support folks who are chronically homeless or are at imminent risk of homelessness where they've received a notice for eviction for arrears. And we will provide them with a monthly rent subsidy to help them keep or maintain that housing. So to help them find affordability in the private market. We've also increased our rent supplement programming again to help people find affordability in in the private market where we can. Um, And I think the other thing we're doing is we are continuing our growth goals of trying to build more, build um, a, a wide range of types of housing. We are looking to incentivize and support private sector and nonprofits to build that. And we're advocating. We have to advocate to all levels of government to support and fund the programs that are needed and the construction that's needed to reach our growth goals to meet the needs of our community.
0: Could we work through an example? Say somebody is on employment insurance or they're on ODSP, the Ontario Disability Program, or they're uh, receiving what was once called welfare term that people who are listening may be more familiar with. How does this supplement work to allow them, especially when we just talked about, you know, low vacancy rates, walk me through a scenario that would help explain how all these pieces fit together so that person gets a, gets a shelter.
1: Sure. So, I mean, I think the one thing I will say is that every person is different and everyone's going to have an individual and unique response to what they need. Um, but, <clears throat> for example, if we had someone in receipt of Ontario Works, a single person, um, Ontario Works is what was formerly known as welfare, they receive uh, $733 a month. That's what they're entitled to receive. $343 is basic needs. So they get that amount whether, regardless if they are um, homeless or, or what have you. Regardless of their shelter costs, they get that amount they also can receive up to a maximum of $390 in their shelter benefit. so they have a total of $733 to play with in a month. we know that there's that that's not going to afford them a rent. so what we've designed in this housing stability program is our goal was to make a program that was flexible enough that had enough ability for people to to navigate solutions that would meet their their needs. So for example, in some of our traditional rent supplement RGI or provincial housing assistance programs, there's um, occupancy requirements. So does the unit size meet the individual need? Is it an is it, you know, a, a fully landlord tenant relationship? Is there, is it fully contained? Is it all of those self-contained, all of those things? So in this new program, we're working to be flexible. So if this person has found a a bedroom that they can rent, one room, we will support that. And so what we'll do is if that room for rent, let's say, is um, we can give up to $500 a month based on what that shelter rate is. So if the, if the room rental was $1,000, we would fund up to that. We would fund the difference between the $390 a month and what they needed for that that shelter portion. And they'd be able to receive case management support and as we would go through in that way. So you could have a roommate, you could have um, you know, a person who's found a really affordable two bed, um, but it's only a single person. We can support that temporarily to help them stabilize and find their housing. So it's another tool for our partners, for our, so our caseworkers to be able to support people in their life stabilization.
0: But you're still facing the fact that there's only a one percent vacancy rate. So that 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 must be a, a huge challenge then in just finding them a place to begin to negotiate.
1: For sure. But what I will say is in that in that program right now, um, the last time I checked earlier this week, we have Over, we have about 50 people who we've been able to support since the program launched um, like four or five months ago. So we have been able to support people in finding that and finding those things and help address that.
0: Another thing that came out was that 9% of those in the group fall in a low income bracket and nearly 20% rely on rental accommodation. Now let's start with low income people. That's not just a housing issue, but an economic one. What is the county doing on the economic side of this problem to ensure that people have enough uh, opportunity to make sufficient money to live here? I, I, I just did a piece last week that on the living wage and they say it's like $20.65 an hour uh, full full time to uh, to be able to afford to live here. So what's being done on the economic side
1: I will not profess to to be an expert in our economic development work, because I know that there there is a dedicated team of county staff looking to to address some of those pieces. Um, But from an economic perspective of what we look at from social services lens, again, we are looking at advocating for increased rates for Ontario Works and ODSP to a livable a livable rate. we provide supports through our community outreach program that folks who are not eligible for social assistance um, but maybe have some challenges because they're on pensions or they're working in a in a minimum wage job we can help with certain life events to help them navigate through that we also have food security programs that can help um, help people address and make those choices so I mean I think that's that's where we're looking at from that social services perspective, um, and so I can't speak too, too, too uh, concretely about what we're doing from an economic development perspective. I do know we're looking at things like workforce housing to support folks who um, are are working in our community to be able to afford to live in our community. So I do know it's definitely something that we are we are looking at and aware of and are and are addressing at at all aspects that we can.
0: The wait list for community housing has surged to more than a thousand households with 391 new names that were just added in the last year. The county took four years to complete phase one of Elgin Street. And admittedly, with the pandemic, that was probably part of the causes for the slowdown. But with such long timelines, and you said earlier in a conversation, you're going to build out 900 units or just over 900 units over the next 10 years, but there's a thousand people right now that need housing. How do you plan to get on top of this aspect of affordable housing?
1: Um, Sure. So I think, I think again, housing, housing is the long-term solution. It takes time. It takes a lot longer than many of us would like. Um. So I think what we currently have in the works is we do have 251 new affordable housing units and rent supplements in the <clears throat> in the pipeline. So those are things that we're doing to work towards the 900 uh, goal. We also have capital grant programs in attempts to incentivize that creation. And I think the other thing we're really doing is we're, we're recognizing that based on the time it takes for us to build housing, we really need to start getting more and more projects that are design-ready, shovel-ready, so that we can be ready to go. Because I think we've we've got to fill our pipeline. That's what we're working on right now, is filling our pipeline of units and land that we could develop on.
0: But, I I mean, what, what little comfort is that to the 1,000 people who are sitting there in a precarious situation right now that need something right now? We've got... You know, how many people in an encampment in downtown Coburg looking to get some kind of proper shelter? I appreciate very much that it takes time to get this done and shovel-ready projects still take time to get done. What can be done now in the next 12 months that's going to help these thousand thousand people? Because we've had a thousand people waiting for more than a decade and they're still not getting the housing they need.
1: Sure. So, I mean, I think... I appreciate it, Rob. Um, it's it's not comforting. We recognize that. Um, but for those households that move in, it it is a comfort. Um, the way I really think about it is like an iceberg, and we've got to just keep chipping away at it piece by piece um, and stay resilient to to the needs that we have in our in our system. Um, in terms of immediate pieces, again, this is where we have the, our housing stability program. We have our rent supplement program expanding. We refer people to the Canada Ontario housing benefit program. We are reviewing our sheltering system uh, recommendation paper from earlier this year to look at how we can continue to enhance and improve our sheltering system. at the same time, we also know that we have had consistent capacity in our sheltering system. You know, we have had, on average, about 12 spots available each night. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to build these systems and increase the capacity in these systems. It is really a collaborative effort with our community partners, with provincially funded agencies, to keep navigating these really complicated and complex situations.
0: The property on Ontario Street in Coburg. It began with some work. There's a a big hole in the ground. We haven't seen very much taking place there. Can you give us an update on what's going on there? I mean, you know, when you're talking about something being shovel ready, that seems like that might be an example that'd be worth exploring. What's going on there?
1: So on Ontario Street, we are working with our partners um, and we've been focusing on our partnership agreement. With the idea that this project is to be based in Indigenous reconciliation, it required that we took the time to ensure that we had a governance system that respected that and acknowledged that. We have begun our design work at Ontario Street, so we are hoping that there'll be more coming very shortly. We've hired an architect and engineer um, firm uh, who will be leading that, that pre-design work, so more should be coming at that set.
0: I understand, though, as well, that there's been some issues around financing and getting support from the various levels of government to move that project forward more quickly.
1: Yes, there has been. Um, Ontario Street, again, we've been, we're very innovative in this project. We are, we have multiple owners. We are Valuing reconciliation, we are adding home ownership and rental. And so we have had to really navigate how we get funders to understand what is needed in this community, how partnerships look, and what creative solutions funders can also come to the table with to meet us um, where we are and what our needs might be. The other thing that we're looking at from a financing perspective as well is interest rates. So the interest rates have also increased quite substantially, as we all know. Um, And so we're looking to continue to advocate for low interest, interest interest-free loans so that we can continue to build. While it hasn't stopped us yet, we do anticipate a time quite shortly that without something there, we will have to stop building because we will not be able to afford to carry the, the debt servicing load.
0: The Morden talked in her remarks at the Elgin Park opening about the need for multi-level government support to find the solutions that are are needed. Are you seeing any movement by the federal or provincial governments to help facilitate the kinds of things that you're trying to do in terms of innovation and, and offering the support that we need to give so that people can find affordable housing?
1: Um, I think we're seeing some, you know, the federal government announced low interest uh, rental financing. Um, So we'll have to see what that looks like. Um, We know that there is interest whenever we talk about this project and what we're trying to achieve. We know there is interest from the various levels of government in how this could work. Um, And so we continue to, we look forward to continuing these really great conversations with our potential funders of how we can make this project a reality going forward, because we're committed to it. Our partners and the county are committed to making this happen and to being a model that can be replicated by others in the future.
0: As you probably are aware, across the county, there are a number of communities that are trying to address the issue of homelessness in Northumberland. And we've seen recently a great deal of pushback uh, in terms of uh, sleeping cabins. Um, The encampment is having further impacts on the community as it's now costing for additional policing. Calls for service are way up. I imagine the ER visits are up. This is costing the community far more. What is the path forward? Have you got a plan?
1: You know, Rob, I think that um, we are definitely working hard to it to look at these needs and address the needs across the housing spectrum, housing continuum, including at the base at the homelessness system. We are looking at the recommendations in our shelter system review. We have increased our our street outreach presence um to support people both within the county and through external agencies we are continuing to review uh we've we've looked at the warming hub we've continued that model to support a safe place for people to come in out of the cold and we will continue to look at how we can implement those sheltering system recommendations how we can um expand or continue capacity, how we can reduce barriers for folks who who find barriers in entering our system. Um, Today, we have over 50 overnight sheltering spaces in operation between Transition House Shelter, Motel Overflow and the Warming Hub. As I've said, um, there is an average capacity of about 12 spots each night that are available. Um, And we will continue to work with our system partners in how we navigate and respond to the individual needs of each person in our community who is experiencing homelessness.
0: I guess the question becomes one of, of public involvement and public engagement. When you have uh, organizations and nonprofits stepping forward to saying, oh, here's a potential solution like sleeping cabins, or here's another kind of solution, or here's something else. What can the county do to build more consensus amongst the public about a path forward that actually starts to solve this problem rather than creating a series of conflicts where local local or lower tier municipalities are, you know, facing angry crowds in their council chambers?
1: So I think I that's think a system that um, requires partnership and collaboration. You know, the county is using all of our resources at our disposal to address this level of need from increasing shelter spaces, investing in outreach, rent supplement, food resources, and building housing, which we talked about. Well, we know that people may not always find the shelter system suitable, and we have our recommendations, and we are looking to address this actively. We really have to look at who the partners are in the system and how we can continue to support those, those people who are experiencing uh, homelessness you know we we know that we are continuing to make in strategic investments in homelessness in 2023 we had approximately 2.3 million dollars in county and provincial funding for homelessness um and we are con- continuing to invest and look at solutions across the province of how we can address needs but we really need to look at how people and solutions fit within the current system um, so that so that we can can navigate and support individuals in addressing their needs in a system-wide approach. Um and that's really where we're kind of looking, looking at. We also know that we need additional support from federal and provincial partners we need to create to help us create this coordinated system response that also incorporates physical health mental health and addiction wraparound support services that people need so it's not unfortunately it's not there's not a simple answer to this we know the local government um it's a complex issue and homelessness can't be solved by the local government level that receives eight cents of every tax dollar so we know we need more support we know we need people beside us and other levels of government alongside us in addressing these needs um and we're doing everything we can to to find systems that meet people's needs where they're at and we are committed to looking at our current system
0: I really appreciate everything you said and but you keep talking about levels of government and about bureaucracy I'm not hearing you talk about community and building uh community capacity to support whatever it is you that the bureaucracy decides that it, it is a solution. Where's the component from the county that says, you know, we're building support amongst residents in this area. We're, we're, we're talking to, to people about how they think we should be solving it. Uh, we're talking to homeless people directly so that they're giving us their input. Like where's the community capacity building aspect of this? Could you explain that please?
1: Sure. I mean, so I think one of the key pieces we have is that we do have a homelessness leadership table um, and the homelessness leadership table represents agencies in the community. So community based agencies across the county who have a hand in supporting homelessness services. So we receive their. Uh, advice and support in how we navigate things. I
0: know that. I know that. And you've talked about this before on the show, and I really appreciate that there's this table. I'm talking about everyday citizens, people who are on the street and living there. Like, where is the community capacity so that we don't have angry citizens that showed up to, say, Port Hope Council just recently and, and were so upset and so angry about what was going on there? Where's that where is that capacity building with the public so that they're buying it? We've got the mayor of Coburg having a, a public meeting next week to talk about the encampment and what's going on. Where is your efforts as the county to build that community capacity so that people are, are more prepared so that as the bureaucracy and these tables come together and say, this is what we need to do, the community supporting it.
1: And. Um- You know i think that there are lots of avenues for community members to engage county council meets monthly the social services committee meets monthly those are opportunities for people to come forward and and share those concerns when folks call us and want to understand things we talk to them um our our system partners in the community work with volunteers in the delivery of those services we, and again, I think whenever we're talking to somebody who is experiencing homelessness and seeking our services, we wanna talk to them, we talk to them directly as an individual. And we look at meeting them where they are and what their needs are and what we can and cannot do in that in the system. So, I mean, I think that's where we engage with people on a daily basis to see what their needs are. And that's how we navigate that. So we, we look at, um, you know, every person, who is experiencing homelessness may need have a different need. They may have a different goal and we need to work with them to find supports and navigate pieces that meet those needs, meet their immediate needs today, maybe work towards getting some long-term solutions, long-term supports ready to go for that individual. Um, And i mean i think really that's where it's got to be it's got to be based on the individual's need first and it can't be what we think somebody needs it's got to be what that person needs and how we can support them directly in their in their housing journey um and how we support them moving forward
0: this issue is not all about challenges there are successes and i noted in uh, some of the research that the county has prevented 30 households from being evicted. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so that number is um, actually directly the NCHC, Um, so our our local housing corp. It's actually a bit higher if you include some of our nonprofit work. So when we look at what it takes for an eviction to be prevented as a landlord, what that means is that there are 30 households within the Northumberland County Housing Corporation whereby we have supported through payment plans, through referrals to other agencies, where we had a right to evict, but we believe in eviction prevention. We believe in housing as a right. We believe in housing retention. So we work with people to avoid eviction um, and have eviction as an absolute last resort. Um, for what we are are navigating towards. So those are 30 households within the NCHC's portfolio whose evictions have been prevented or are actively being prevented. I think it's closer to about 50 if you were to also include all of our nonprofit housing providers as well who have active payment plans and, and things like that.
0: Going forward, what is the good news for those looking for affordable housing?
1: The good news is is that we are we're moving we're growing we're we're looking to find things um we have programs available that if people are unable to afford their housing that they should call us and we can we can work with it we we have limitations of course but we do try to support people in an innovative way to keep their their housing moving i mean i think that um We are making differences in people's lives on a daily basis. Um, It's what we're trying to make sure that the system, so all of our partners who are working in homelessness and housing, our staff, that we remember we try to stop and remember that we are, you know, we are chipping away at that iceberg. That iceberg may be large and and, you know, uh, feels like it's insurmountable, but we are making differences and we are piece by piece person by person, family by family, we are, we are helping people, we are changing, we are supporting them in those pieces. And I think that's really important, because I think housing and homelessness, particularly if you're on the front line, um, which I am, I'm not, you know, but for those who are on the front line, this is really hard work. And I just really want to take the time in this moment to thank those people in our community from other agencies in the county at all of our agencies who are collaborating to support our neighbors who need support and who are vulnerable in finding in finding those uh, next steps and those those glimmers of hope. Because I mean, without without that, those people, this is going to be very challenging for everyone involved. So um you know, I really think that we are moving. It is hard. It is um, an uphill battle, but we are committed. We are committed to making a difference. The county is committed. Our partners are committed to making a difference and addressing these issues piece by piece.
0: Rebecca Carmen, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Thank you very much, Rob.
0: That was Rebecca Carmen, Associate Director of Housing and Homelessness. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider There you will find past podcasts, news and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com, or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast, or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.